0: A little earlier, um, I think it was last month, uh, maybe over a bit in the year, um, the Chief Rabbi uh, responded to a Church of England report, and basically his response was this: Stop targeting Jews for conversion. Stop. You guys want to say, you Christians, stop telling Jews about Jesus in an attempt to make them become Christians. And he's not the only one who wants to stop Christians telling people about Jesus so they become Christians. According to the Human Rights Council, the company, internet between 2009 and 2015, another 20 countries tightened their laws in terms of trying to tell people about Jesus so that they can become Christians. So actually, now apparently in 19. 19- 2009, there were 79 countries that had rules against trying to convert people, and in uh, 2015, that was up to 99. So I think it might be more than half the countries in the world. And I actually know since then, I was like, you know, I, I travelled to Russia to help the Bible college there. The rules in Russia have certainly tightened since 2015. Stop telling people about Jesus so that they can become Christians. That is the message from many, many countries of the world. That's our first kids question. What do lots of countries not want Christians to do? What do lots of countries not want Christians to do? Um, that's not just current. It's an AR as well. But as it says that all religions are equally valid, all religions are you know, equally good ways of getting to God, getting to God. So, why on earth are you try to convert somebody from one religion to another? Why are you saying one religion is wrong and another religion is right or one religion is better than another? If you're trying to convert somebody uh, to another faith, it's often seen as bigoted and unnecessary and arrogant. And maybe if you have tried to tell people about the Christian message. I hope they would not become Christians, maybe you've had that sort of response. So when we go to the bottom, a knock on the doors and try and tell me about the gospel, we sometimes do get that sort of response. Well today we're going to continue our Bible overview, and continue particularly in the book of Acts, which Chris and started for us last week see how the gospel spreads all over the world, from Jerusalem to Rome, the capital, if you like, of the known world. And Luke wants us to be clear that this great movement of the gospel, this taking of the good news of Jesus all over the world, is, uh, it's not sort of made up by a human committee, it's not a plot, it wasn't something the Roman Empire made up. Far from it. It is God's plan, it is God's initiative, it is God who is bringing this about because if, if you call yourself a Christian here this morning, and you want to continue uh, to share the of Jesus with people, I do we need a deep conviction that this is God's plan. It's not some human, I think it's not some council of the church that decided this, but it's God's plan that we should keep taking the gospel to the ends of the earth, a little closer to our neighbours, to our uh, work colleagues, to those at school with us, to our family members. I think we need to be thoroughly convinced that it is God's desire. But I say, we've been doing this by then, if you've joined us recently. Uh, throughout this year, we've really been trying to work our way all the way through the Bible. We started back in about January, I think. We've uh, worked all the way through the Old Testament, uh, we've worked through the Gospels, and now we're in the book of Acts, and God willing, we should finish uh, by Christmas. So if you think about the way that the Bible... me. Okay. What, what, what is the like essential message of the Bible? What is the essential message of the Bible? Well, the Bible is how God sets up His kingdom through His Son. Actually, if I look at Acts, I want to actually add a word in there, slightly. Oh, no, um, how God sets up His worldwide kingdom through His Son. God is interested in the gospel going to the whole world. Okay, that is His plan. That's what the Bible tells us the story of. And we think about what is God's kingdom. I hope those ringers will tell me what is God's kingdom? God's people, God's place, under God's rule and blessing. Next people in God's place, under God's rule and blessing. And what's the people? Well, the people aren't clearly people from all over the world. Adam and Eve have rebelled against God in the Garden of Eden, they're thrown out of the garden. And then we saw that God might turn that around in His promise to Abraham, and He promised Abraham a great people, and He promised him a land, and who He promised to bless through Abraham? All nations, all nations, exit, exit. Right from the beginning, God's promise was that it would be for all nations. And as we trace the Bible, as we trace God's plan through the Old Testament, we can see people. Who weren't Jewish, who weren't descendants of Abraham's, coming into God's people. Um, can anyone tell me? This is interactive. Can anyone, can anyone tell me anyone in the Old Testament who wasn't Jewish, who wasn't descendants of Abraham, who came under God's rule and rights? Jenny Arthur, yes. Rahab. Rahab was a prostitute living in Jericho. Actually, became part of God's people. Fantastic. Anyone else? Ruth, fantastic. She was a Merwitex. They came. yeah. And she came in part of the people. Yeah. Sorry? Uh, interesting. Is so that the end of Marcus Day? Ah, uh, yeah. That's a big question. Yeah. Yes. So it's not Jewish, but he's certainly involved in cross-busking. i not going to send Dave Pantier. Anyone else? Let me just, and we, so we have Rahab, we have, Reinhard, we have Reinhard, there was the remainder of the spirit, he's healed. Uh, there's a the whole city of Nineveh who responds to the preaching of Jonah. Um, in fact, when we read Exodus in our Bible, there's a whole rabble of people who come out of um, Egypt, uh, Uriah the Hittites, and then uh, the Queen of Sheba. Great right? stuff. So, and then we get to Jesus' news, we get the same thing going on with people from all over the world who are non Jews becoming. Uh, followers of Jesus, the uh, there's a centurion, there's a woman from Syrophoenicia. In fact, from what we can tell, when Jesus leaves the 4,000, they are mainly Gentiles. So even Jesus' ministry, the, the blessing is going out to the nations. But now with Jesus' death and resurrection, that ministry takes the gospel to the whole world, so it goes into overdrive. Now, so the first one I make this morning really... It's taking the good news of Jesus all over the world. It's God's plan. It's God's plan. So we get to put it back. So he says, yeah, I'm going to have to back, so say, yeah, it. God has not made up by some human community, it's not some out of the church in the fourth century, the or some British prime minister in the 19th century, that but I I said, we must take the gospel out. Notice God's plan that it should happen. Uh, second, his question. Whose plan is it for the good news of Jesus to be preached all over the world? Whose plan is it for the good news of Jesus to be preached all over the world? And lastly, we we'll looked at to we'll explain the first, the beginning of Acts, the act Chris. <clears throat> But you, the apostles, will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now that phrase at the end of the earth that Jesus uses there is actually picking up on a prophecy from Isaiah, yeah. 700 years before. I'll make you like the Gentiles, so that my salvation may reach the end of the earth. It's always been God's plan that this Gospel is going to go to the ends of the earth. It's never been just a European religion, or a British religion. Christianity is always going to go to the ends of the earth. We thought about the fact that God promised Abraham blessing to the nations, and Peter knows that Peter at the beginning of the book. Acts, he knows that as well. He knows that the gospel is meant to be going out to the nations, and you are heirs of the prophet and the covenant God made with your father. He said to him, "Through your offering, all the people on earth will be blessed." It's God's plan that the gospel that will be going out. And we thought about this a little bit in the Christian discipleship prayer. When, when the Holy Spirit comes, there's a great festival going on in Jerusalem called Pentecost. And one of the things that happens when there's a festival is that Jews come from all over the world to Jerusalem. And it's at that point that God gives the Holy Spirit to His people to preach the good news. Why? So then you can get, get some turbocharged beginning to Christianity. Come with me to Acts chapter 2. Come with me. We'll always flipping around a bit Acts chapter 2. Somebody gets there before me. Shadow page number. Uh, 1093. I think we're going to read. 1093. It's a nightmare There ask to read this passage in the church because it's just masses of names. <coughs> Chapter 2 verse 5 of Acts. Now, the worst day in Jews God Jews from every nation under heaven. And then we get the list uh, beginning in the verse 9. Into the uh, out to eat the carthians way out to eat, the meads way out to eat, the elmites way out to eat, the red men's way out to eat. Uh, the uh, Judea, right in the middle there. Cappadocia, uh, uh, up in Turkey. Pontus, Asia, right. up um, in Turkey. Fridge Dale, up there in Turkey. Uh, Pamphylia, Egypt. Sorry, it's come to the bottom there. Park of Libya, Cyrene. Uh, Rome, where got to uh, go, Britain, out God had all these people, all together, and then to give the Holy Spirit so that the gospel could immediately go to all these people. They could hear it, and then they could spread out all over the world. It's God's great plan for the gospel to go forward. There's a famous story in. Uh, In Acts of the conversion of the Apostle Paul. The interesting thing about that is it is a conversion, definitely, but it's also a commission story. God has a purpose for the Apostles, not just that he's going to be an amazing story of a conversion, and you'll think about it, oh, I'll watch how a conversion like Paul. No, there's a much better purpose than that. And here we're told in Acts chapter 9 about purpose. The Lord says, to victim, I haven't had it, he's been sent to Saul or Paul, it's like is my Josephus to proclaim my name to the Gentiles. What was Paul's purpose? Was to proclaim a message to the Gentiles. That was God's plan. And the Christian discipleship Program, the outside school that we do at 10 o'clock, uh, we had a quick look at the first conversion of a Gentile, of a non-Jew. a man called Cornelius. He's a Roman centurion. And uh, Peter much forced by God to go to his house, because people say, no, he's unclean, I'm not going to go in his house. He's unclean, I'll be all contaminated by him. But God says, God gives him a vision, and makes a statement three times to take him to um, the house to preach to the non-Jews. It's God's plan. He converts all, he sends Peter. And then, like, through one of my favorite bits of Acts, when we, uh, we look at this with the kid's talk that's working again. Yeah, again, Acts 16, Acts 16, page 1111. So, <laughs> <laughs> here's the map of 30. So, they kind of reach 30, but they preach the 4. And, they've been, they've been six, Japan, and they think, they've got six, all his companions traveled around the region of Phrygia and Galatia. Now, why do they do that? Because they're kept by the Holy Spirit, the Christian word of the province of Asia. So they want to go to Asia, <laughs> spot, but they can't because the Spirit of God stopped them. What? Yeah. So he goes to Phrygia so go and Galatia. Now, So verse 7, uh, when it came to the border of my cell, what do they try and do in verse 7? I'm going to get some of the responses here. What, what do they try to do in verse 7? Where do they try and go? Bethlehem. And why can't they? Bithynia. Because the Spirit of Jesus says no. And the Spirit of Jesus says no. You can't preach about me in this place. Now again, I'm pretty confused by this stage, but then we read the rest of the so, if i might, yet, and went back to church. this, is on the coast. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia, that's over in Europe, standing in bed, and begging come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul, a team of vision, we got ready at once to leave the Macedonia, including that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So it seems like what is going on is so that God is saying, I'm really I'm very serious about the ends of the earth stuff. I'm really serious about this. My thing is, you no, know, I'm saying we take it for the next row, or the next people, well, that's good enough. But so God's saying, no, I'm serious about the ends of the earth stuff. You know, it was uh, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth okay Nice little bit of a bit of, of Turkey as well. That's the ends of the earth. I found that really challenging. I might be thinking about i take the gospel to my neighbor, and that's a good thing to do. i take the gospel to um, a work colleague, and that's a good thing to do. Somebody I'm at school with, or something like that, Now that's a good thing to do. But God's vision is much, much bigger than that. God's vision is to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. Now, we may not be able to go, but we certainly pray, we essentially give in. We how can I support this worldwide vision? have I got a big vision about where the gospel is going? God is saying I'm serious about this end of the earth stuff. Yes, we've done Syria, we've done Turkey, but well, there's a lot more of the world than that that needs to go. <coughs> the first um, step into Europe, actually, now the gospel comes out to Europe. This is a student of we should be very grateful for that. Um, third kid's question. Who told Paul to go to Europe to tell people about Jesus? Who told Paul to go to Europe to tell people about Jesus? I I think that's very challenging for us. I wonder how Paul felt as he got further and further at home. Again, we think about that in the Christian discipleship program. Think about, well, you've got issues of language, you've got issues of culture, you've got issues of food. You know, it's nice to get something different for a holiday. But to live someone, it's very hard work. But that is the challenge. How am I, mean. just, I don't to have I got a heart and a mind that is thinking about the gospel going out to the nation? That may not be me, but am I praying about it? I think about how I can spoil my financially. Maybe you know, we're supporting the church plant are playing a barfing site area, a new church. Maybe some of you think, well, actually, could I move to that area to help support that church plant? That's not the only difficulty, a massive change. Luke wants us to be clear there is another problem with taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. And this is our second thought. No. Mm-hmm. We'll press the button, Great. We should expect kind of persecution and suffering as we take the gospel out. I guess if you're to stop taking the gospel out, and well, when you do do it, we should expect persecution and suffering. So the first apostles, as they preach the gospel in Acts, uh, are quickly beaten and imprisoned. And it's interesting when Paul is appointed. Lord has I eye to go to have my judgment in to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and the people Israel and the Leviticus. I will show you how much he has to suffer in my name. It was quite a commission that Paul heard about and how he felt about it. But it's not just him. Um, we're in Acts 16. Come back with me to Acts 14. Come back with me to Acts 14. So Paul then goes out on his first missionary journey. Paul goes out on his first missionary journey uh, around Turkey. And he comes back, and we're going to pick the story up in uh, verse 21. This is a return to Antioch in Syria. They preach the gospel in that city, having a large number of disciples. Then they return to Lystra, Iconium, Antioch, those are all cities within Turkey strengthening disciples and encouraging them to remain and choose the faith. And then we get a one-line summary of Paul's encouraging sermon. Now, what you would say at this point, if you had to have a one-line summary of Christian message to encourage you, would it be this? We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. It's quite something, isn't it? Yes, we're going to the kingdom of God. Yes, that will be fantastic. Well worth it. But in the meantime, we can go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. And so, if we try to take the gospel you know, at work or in our streets, our neighbours, door to door, it shouldn't surprise us when we get shunned or people tell us to stop talking about, them, about the conversation with somebody. We're really not happy about the fact that I was there trying to tell them about Jesus. And of course in other countries it is far, far worse where prison or beatings can come about. And so again, I think from that I just want to encourage myself or encourage you if you are a Christian trying to take the message out to other people. Just keep people, praying about it. And don't be surprised if we're rejected or shunned. we um, yes knocking on doors, sometimes we have a, a recent morning, I was doing a little bit yesterday, I had mean, quite a good morning, I had some advice for you to have a chat about the gospel. for great, But God, i you mean, come back, and it's been pretty hard work, and a lot of people have gone, a yawm from the church, and politely shut the door. And it's easier to come back and just think, my oh, God, this is hard work. People are just shining, so you know, you need to try, maybe, I guess at Christmas time, maybe you are inviting us to the is a great thing to do, but maybe there's lots of people going, no, thank you, no, thank you, no, thank you. It's very hard to keep going. But it should surprise us because that's <coughs> what Acts us. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Uh, fourth, kid's question. Uh, what do we need to go through to enter the kingdom of God? What do we need to go through to enter the kingdom of God? And I think we learn how this. We go through the Book of Acts, and that is what exactly is the message that we are actually preaching. What exactly is the message that we are actually preaching? Because as we go through the Book of Acts, we meet new cultures and new people groups and people with different languages, and it's also just that the gospel and also tied to tie up in my culture. It's always easy to see in somebody else's house. So I'm um, aware, I remember talking to a Christian, this is when I first-came Christian about 25 years ago. maybe need go over 20 years before that. And for them, the question weren't like this one. You weren't like drinking any alcohol, those were in the no-notes, and you couldn't do that. And so the culture of the, that day had got caught up in the gospel. And so it's great to read the book of Acts and to see. What the message is, because it gets refined and shaped as we go through. So, come back and read to chapter 2. Basically, I think the message is that we need to preach. It's about accepting Jesus as God's truth. We are proclaiming that Jesus is God. Come back to chapter 2, Acts chapter 2, or page 1094. And I'm going to read the summary of Peter's first sermon. Verse 36, on page 1094. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, who you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. So the message says that God has made Jesus, the crucified, risen one, his ruler. God has made Jesus his ruler. That is the message. And how are we meant to respond to that? Verse 38, He replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Repent, you're Repent means turning round and going my way with me as my God. I need to turn around and make Jesus my God. That's what repentance means. Baptism, and the, the symbol of washing, to receive that forgiveness and the gift of the Holy Spirit. I guess it's worth asking ourselves. Have mm-hmm. I done so that? Say, have you done that? I'd be able to go around and ask each one of you. Have you accepted Jesus as God's ruler? Have you accepted that Jesus is the ruler of your life, should be the ruler of your life? Have you repented? Have you said, well, I'm going to stop running my life? I'm going to, I'm going to stop running my life. And I'm going to turn around my Jesus my Lord, But I receive that forgiveness, and the Holy Spirit gives that. And if you're confused by that, then please do come and talk to me, or come and talk to Steve afterwards, because we'd be love you to understand that better. But as the, uh, as the gospel spreads out, the big questions begin to come up, is that because we're just fancy? is that, or is there other things that we need to uh, accept as well? So come with me to Acts chapter 15, we'll stay here as we we'll ask James to read this chapter, don't know where last bit. So come back with me to Acts chapter 15 on page 1110, 1110. Read the first verse. So the gospel is spreading out to the non-Jewish people. <clears throat> Fifteen verse one. Certain people came down from Judea, that's a Jewish area, to Antioch and were teaching the Jews, Unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. They say, but hang on, we need to add a circumcision to the gospel. Or verse uh, five. Then some believers who belong to the party of Pharisees said, I said, the Gentiles must be circumcised and required to keep the law of Moses. So it's not about accepting Jesus, God's ruler. It's about accepting all the other Jewish stuff as well. Well, what are we going to do? Is that right? There's a great discussion. Verse 7. Let's pick it up at verse 7. After much discussion, Peter got up, addressed him. Brothers, you know that some time ago God made a choice among you that the Gentiles should hear from Miles the message of the gospel, the message about Jesus, God's ruler, and I believe. God, who knows the hearts show that he accepts them by giving the Holy Spirit to them just to give to us. He did not discriminate between us and them, for he purified their hearts by faith. How do we see this great salvation? It is by faith, it's not by all his rituals and rules, it's by faith. Verse 10. Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of the Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear? No, we believe it's through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that we are saved, just as they are. Grace is just God's gift. We're entering that season of gifts, I think, all right? uh, We're all forward to we're going to at Christmas. Like, here's God's gift? It's His salvation, It's His, it's His forgiveness of sins through grace, through just trusting in Him. So again, i want to ask you, have you put your trust in Christ? Have you received his grace? Or are you relying on other rituals or religious things that have come from your culture? It is about accepting Jesus as God's real. Putting your trust in him and receiving the grace that he gives. Um, final kids' question. How... Are we saved? How are we saved? Well, yeah. the of Acts is a, it's a, I love the book of Acts, it's, a, it's, a, it's an exciting book about how the gospel spreads. It tells us very clearly that the gospel spreads because it is God's plan. It's not, you know, it wasn't the early disciples who sat down and they were and said, you know, I think we would be a really good idea if we took the gospel to the world. They They'd have never managed it. It's God's plan and it's God who brings it about Second, it warns us very clearly that through many hardships and sufferings that that will happen. People don't like being told they need to apologize. They don't like being told they need to repent. And they're finally reminded. What is this message about accepting Jesus as God's return? Turning back to him and trusting in him and receiving his grace. Well let's pray that God will indeed encourage us to so ourselves a Christian here that we willing to take this Lost plan. See it's God's plan, even if it's going to go hardships. Well let's pray that God will indeed help us in this. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to pray to you for the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray to you that you have made him both Lord and Christ. You have made him your ruler. And Father, we praise you that it's your plan that this good news of salvation, of rescue, of forgiveness is for all peoples. That it's your plan that this message should go to the ends of the earth. And we thank you, Father, you have been carrying that out. You can see that in the book of Acts. And we can see that in the history of the world since. Like even this wrong here, we have people from all over the world um, who have come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, Father, we pray that you would strengthen us and encourage us as we seek to reach out with the Gospel. Father, our culture, those around us, may well tell us, don't, don't try and convert me, don't try and tell me about Jesus. But Father, please would you help us to keep going. Father, well, thank you for your warning of through many hardships and sufferings that we will to the kingdom of God. And we know, Father, your people all over the world are suffering as they seek to take the message out. We pray for your people around the world. We think of uh, the Middle East. We think of many Arab countries. We think of North Korea, Father. Please, would you be with them to strengthen them, give them perseverance and endurance. And, Father, we pray for ourselves that you will help us, encourage us, when we face hardships and difficulties, please help us to stand firm, please help us to endure, please help us to speak the gospel more clearly. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.